the free for all roundtable round two on round two what a pleasure on a friday morning to welcome toronto lawyer kareem asad sabrina nanji is here from queen's park observer airline industry expert john tory jr is also here good morning to you all um listen let's start actually with um you know, just for sake of silliness, I guess, Justin Trudeau yesterday, I knew this was not going to lead to anything productive, uh, asked on Twitter, do you have any questions for me? And he got 6,000 questions, uh, including how do mermaids have sex? Um, John Tory Jr., it just, for me anyway, illustrates why sort of wading into social media is probably a big mistake. I don't know why everyone keeps focusing on my question, but, uh, you know, it is... <laughs> It, it, it is definitely one of those things where it, it, it looks like it's a mistake, but I think that there's a genuine kind of, um, it's like bringing the press gallery to the public. And as long as it's well-managed on the part of the politician, it can just look like fun. They can answer the questions that they want to. It's obviously all sort of contrived and managed from the standpoint of, you know, the, it's not like the prime minister is just picking up his iPhone and going and, and going on Twitter and doing this. So I don't know. I think there's a degree of fun. I think it's like walking into the crowd at, um, you know, in front of the House of Commons, in front of Parliament, and just having a bit of fun. And of course, you know that those questions are going to come up. He just doesn't have to swing at those pitches. Oh, okay. Well, Kareem Asad, maybe he's hip to the hipsters. <laughs> I, I always find it interesting how much creativity is out there and simultaneously a lack of creativity because you see some of the same comments repeating, the same sort of denigrating things being posted um, and then just absolutely galaxy-brained questions. Um, so, I mean, it is, I guess, a little bit of fun, but, um, you know, ideally it's used to uh, tackle some of the questions he wouldn't ordinarily answer. I don't really know that that's going to happen. Okay, well, Sabrina and Angie, maybe he is actually showing a great uh, facility with social media. Do we not have Sabrina? Oh, we got Robert Benzie. See, here I am. Intro- well, uh, this is like one of those soap operas where they'll say, uh, playing the part of Sabrina and Angie is Robert Benzie. Good morning, Robert. I'm, I'm like the second Darren in Bewitched, uh, John. I'm, I'm, and and it's, it's Sabrina and Tabitha. But anyway, um, yeah, I, I think what the prime minister was doing yesterday was uh, a little bit of flexing, campaign flexing. We saw his speech the other night in Ottawa to 2000 liberals, where he really pasted Pierre Polyev, the conservative leader. It suggested to me that Mr. Uh, Trudeau has his, uh, has, is, is ready to hit the stump. And I think that's what this is about. It's about showing that, you know, Pierre Polyev talks a lot about social media and getting around the gatekeepers. And Trudeau is, is reminding people that he's no slouch on social media. Now, I think the questions, some of them are crazy, and I'm not sure the long-term help that it does. But I think this is about his handlers letting the candidate be a candidate. Okay, well, let's stick with Twitter for just a moment, because uh, Elon Musk has decided that in spite of his championing of free speech, he doesn't like journalists who cover him. And he busted a whole bunch of them last night and kicked them off Twitter. And Robert, I'll come back to you on this one. Um, I just I find Elon Musk to be so erratic that every once in a while I'm a bit concerned. And I realize Twitter is just one platform. But in my experience over the last two weeks, he's wrecking it. 
Yeah, I, I agree, John. And it's pretty hard to wreck Twitter since it's all been a such a toxic, awful place yeah. for so many years. But he's managing to do it. And the fact that he spent forty-four billion U.S. dollars on on a platform that, if it's worth ten billion today, I'd be surprised. I mean, it remember only it only has two hundred and forty million users. Uh, which in a population of 8 billion in the world is really small. It's like third or fourth uh, in in the world in uh, social media platforms behind Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, so on. And I, I think, I, I mean, yes, journalists use it a lot and politicians use it a lot. And we all think of it as this, as this fascinating echo chamber that everyone else is paying attention to. But I'm telling you, I don't think most people are, are paying attention to it. And him kicking off journalists from CNN, the New York Times and the Washington Post, among our other outlets, is not a good look for a supposed free speech crusader. So I think it's maybe it's a part of an elaborate and very expensive plot to destroy Twitter. And if <laughs> if so, it's working well. Kareem Asad, you have a certain facility with Twitter. I have to say, increasingly, I go to post something and I delete it. And when it comes to Elon Musk, I find that he... Um, ranges between sort of a British tea lady in his the banality of some of his twits uh, or tweets, and then he gets to these incredible sort of conservative fever dreams to the point where I'm finding Twitter to be kind of pointless. I think uh, twits is actually uh, apropos here. <laughs> um, it really does feel like he just bought the ant farm to shake it up and, you know, let's see what happens and maybe crush a few on the way. Um, it, it's not surprising to me that there's this blatant hypocrisy between being a free speech absolutist, um, but really that means speech that he likes. And uh, it, overall, this degrades the utility of, of the platform, which is very unfortunate because it does have the capability and has been used in the past as sort of this public square. Um, and unfortunately, it, it's now sort of at the hands of a very capricious corporate overlord. Yeah, and John Tory Jr., when I you know, look at this story, I, I, seen this, I know that Elon Musk said that he was trying to level the playing field, but it seems he's trying to level it for crazy people. I mean, I, it does seem that way because he's removing all of the same voices. And I don't know how a lot of people tend to use Twitter, but I like it because it's fast and you get kind of this uh, quick response from, you know, news sources. The, mo the bulk of my feed or whatever you call it is, is people like those news sources. And if they're not going to be there anymore, I don't even know. I don't need to go there to, to see people called rhinos or insults and all that kind of stuff. But it looks... Like, if you take out all the same voices, that's what you're going to be left with, conspiracy theories and, and insults and that sort of stuff. So I don't, I don't know what his plan is there, and I'm not sure he knows either. A new study out that finds, not surprisingly perhaps, that people are pretty heavily invested in the sports teams that they back. Um, I guess, you know, Robert Benzie, to start with you on this one, um, doesn't seem to be great news for Toronto Maple Leafs fans, although they don't seem to care whether the team wins or loses. Well, it's certainly the owners don't care, um, yeah. and I guess the, I guess you're right. The fans are long suffering, and I, I include myself among them. Um, uh, you know, it's and but I, I think there, there is something to be said for following a sports team. I follow some teams very closely: Green, the Green Bay Packers, the, the Toronto Blue Jays, um, and and Manchester United in, in the Premier League. And I, and it, it gives you something to be excited about. And I, I don't, but I don't tie my self esteem into it so that if United win 
against Chelsea, I'm strutting around college street. I don't, you know, I don't think that I think there's, I think you, you can sort of delude yourself. Remember it's just, it's, it's a distraction and it's fun to watch and, 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 but it's not, it's not, a, 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 a it's not your own achievement, you know? You're right. But John Tory Jr. I, I remember when Canada won at the Olympics, for example, in hockey, I was elated and I got no pony in that race. No, and there was. There was a sense of elation to it, too. I, I remember that very well. And just ha- having that rush, that feeling of, of greatness and, you know, like, the, we did it, even though I did nothing towards that. <laughs> I think I bought a cereal box that had a print of a medal in front of it. But, you know, other than that, like, we contributed nothing. But there is there's a sense of teammanship. It's, I think it's a form of, you know, individual nationalism or individual. It's just humans like we're social pe- beings and we like to be part of tribes and groups and this is just our way to rally around things and so you know the shirts i don't know i would love if we saw the jerseys go to other areas like your favorite politicians or maybe your favorite radio host when they had a great morning you wore the <laughs> shirt with their face on it <laughs> okay karima sad you're gonna wear a, a shirt with my face on it if i have a good show <laughs> you know that uh that's a marketing idea for sure um i'm i'm not huge really into sports but the phenomenon of having sort of your in-group and, you know, that, that builds camaraderie. It, it, it becomes part of an identity to the extent that you let it. And, and it's interesting to observe that phenomenon. Um, and, and we can draw analogies to the way I think that people deal with politics, for example. Um, I don't think it's necessarily the most elevated way to be, but um, it, it is innate. Um, Let me play you a bit of audio from yesterday in the House of Commons, and if nothing else, it's just an illustration of how cruel politics can be and why I will never be an elected politician. Well, member for Burnaby South. When I'm Prime Minister, I will keep my promises. Now, another promise. Let me try again. All right, minutes of laughter, John Tory Jr., uh, cruel, but, you know, if Jugmeet Singh wants to say something like, when I am prime minister, I guess he can take what's coming. Absolutely, and he had to have known when he dropped that he was going to have a response like that. And, of course, I love just on the audio you played, in the background you heard somebody's voice, obviously close to the mic, turning to someone else and going, you have to admit, it was pretty funny. And I think that's the <laughs> essence of it. Okay, Karima sad. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I, I appreciate the self-confidence, I guess. Maybe that's a, a takeaway. He was able to stand there and maybe a bit crestfallen initially, but uh, played it off. Okay. And Robert Benzi, you've spent enough time watching Queen's Park. I mean, it can be kind of cruel. It can be. And I've spent a lot of time with Jagmeet Singh because, of course, he was the deputy NDP leader at right. Queen's Park before he went to federal politics. I, I've known him and covered him for a long time. And he's a he's a genuinely affable guy who... Uh, people in other benches do like uh, the, it, when the liberals were in government here that he had friends in those benches and, and, and among the Tory benches. So I don't think it, the, the, I think the laughter is wasn't cruel as much as it, is, as it was 
uh, kind of, come on, Jagmi, get, you know, give your head a shake. It was more of that, I think, because he's not someone who is loathed by his colleagues. Some politicians are hated by their colleagues. He's not one of them. But I do think um, he's got a healthy enough sense of self-esteem and ego that he can handle a, a little bit of laughter, I think. Yeah. Well, he used to be part of our panels here, and I hope he'll come yep. back. But uh, thank you to our panelists this morning, John Tory Jr., Kareem Assad, and Robert Benzie.